You're tuned in to the Bear Raid Podcast, a part of the Chicago Skybox Sports Network. Welcome into the Bear Raid Podcast, a part of the Chicago Skybox Sports Network. I'm Johnny Yu, along with Chino and Greg, as always, reviewing week four, Bears versus Giants. Bears go down in New York, and we've had about 24 hours to kind of let this settle in and assess everything. So I want to toss it out to the the guys and see exactly what were your feelings immediately after the game? And have they changed in the 24 hours since? Uh, Greg, why don't you go off and uh, kick us off? I was very upset. I wanted to throw things. I'm glad we didn't do this yesterday, last night meeting. And it was hard to swallow because this was a game we knew we can win. It was close the whole time. It was within striking distance. And it was something we didn't want to happen that we were just saying this should be an easy win. And who would have thought Daniel Jones would run for two touchdowns on us early. It was quite embarrassing for me um, right when it ended. Once, um, you know, later this afternoon after I, we watched and I know we'll get to it uh, after the Justin Fields commentary and then just seeing some of the other commentators and some of the shows in the morning, it was like, I I guess we kind of expected if this were to happen, we're kind of seeing what's happening with the bears and where they're lacking and where they still need to get better. I guess my question to just myself in general is how long is this going to take? Is this going to take the full season and we're just going to have to ride it out? and let just fields continue to go. So those are just my like little questions to myself. And I'm just telling myself, continue to be patient, I guess, at this moment, because there's really, so there's a lot that got exploited yesterday that we saw that everyone was able to see. And it's like, where do we start? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, this, yeah, where do you start is a good question from here. Um, and the reason for that is I'd like to, you know, is nothing has really worked out the way that we thought it would go up to this point. Um, I guarantee the coaches would probably agree. Um, right now, I think the, the direction that we're heading in is a direction of confusion. Right now, we don't have, I think, go-to plays. We don't have go-to players. Um, everything is thrown in there. Um, offensive wise, I want to say this is more specifically offensive wise. Um, everything is being thrown in there offensive wise. So, you know, my, my, my take after last game was that um, it was bad, but I really want to look over things, you know, get down to the analyst part of it, see what kind of uh, factors weighed in. Um, but from the naked eye, from the first review, it just wasn't a good game. And um, it's unfortunate because they were a very similar team and we should have had the win, but unfortunately they exposed a lot out of us. Yeah. I think after the game, I had kind of very frustrated because like you guys said, it was a winnable game. It's one that we should have pulled out, especially with the, the way the game started. You know, you have, as I mentioned here, like the last, like what two or three weeks, we got to get the offense started. Throw a bomb to Darnell Mooney. That will loosen up Justin and let him air it out. And first drive, 18-yard pass to, to to Mooney. Then he rattles off that big chunk run. And then offense stalls. They get a field goal. Second drive, 54-yard bomb to Mooney. Offense stalls. They get another field goal. This is like one of those games where if they could have kept that offense going and scored touchdowns, then you're putting the Giants – in a situation where they have to pass the ball to try to come back. And it kind of negates that, that great rushing game that they have and, you know, puts them in a position to, to maybe do things. Cause I, I don't remember looking at the stance, but like Daniel Jones only had like nine passes or something like that. So, you know, force him to pass and, and make those decisions. Like it's hard to have a sack when you only have nine opportunities to do that. And, You know, after that game, I was extremely frustrated at the way that the offense played um, and couldn't finish drives early and then didn't do anything in the second half. And then I was just frustrated with the passing game 
as a whole. And I think yesterday, a lot of my frustration uh, in the group chat kind of boiled down to, to Justin Fields. Now having the 24 hours, like, I think I may be even more frustrated, but it's not at Justin Fields. I think it's a lot of the things that Chino's been saying since the beginning is Ryan Poles did not put him in a position to succeed and really develop. And you're seeing that you can't try to develop like eight people at once on the offensive side of the ball when there's only 11 players. Yeah. And now with Cody Whitehair going down, you know, that's just opens up another opportunity because you were really hoping that I'm paint me as a, not a Sam Mustafer fan. I, I think he needs to get out, but now that, now that white hair's injured, you probably got to put Patrick over there and keep Mustafer in. But I, I think offensively, that that offensive line is just horrible pass blocking. And I think Mustafer and Borum are probably the two main components of that. And you know, if Riley Reef can't get on the field over Borum to protect your, you know, potential future franchise quarterback, there's something going wrong there. And then with with the receivers, it's just like somebody's got to get open or you got to be able to scheme these guys open. So whether it's the general manager putting that team together, the offensive coordinator scheming, or the execution and kind of all levels of that offense, it's just not working. And like Greg said, you know, it the 24 hours allowed me to kind of let that sink in, remind myself, hey, this is a process. It's going to take some time. Over the course of the season, you just want to see the growth. You know there's going to be games like this where they take a step back, hopefully next week. I doubt it, though, against the Vikings. They'll be able to take a step forward. But the kind of things you want to you want to look for. But it was definitely a, a, a frustrating a frustrating game and, and still a little bit more frustrating 24 hours out. From an offense perspective, Justin Fields had 174 yards, no touchdowns. We were – 0 for 3 in the red zone, which is quite disappointing. And one of the things I talked about the last couple of weeks was, remember, time of possession? Well, the Bears had it for about 28 minutes and 43 seconds, and the Giants had it for 31-17. So it was pretty equal. Same thing with total yards. Giants had 333. The Bears had 304. Now what what killed the Bears is the three turnovers. Mm -hmm. And – we, yes, we still were within reason, even with those turnovers to a team like this. But we discussed it before. Now we're going up against the Vikings next week, and we're you know it's just going to be tough. But getting back to what what we were doing, red zone, we just can't put the ball in there. Like you explained to John, we had a couple laser beams go down the field. Looks like everything's going good, and then everything just stalls. And yeah. not to mention Herbert was okay. He had 77 yards, 19 carries. That wasn't horrible. That was still, I mean, compared to, you know, how he's been coming out the last couple of games pretty high, but that was still pretty decent. And again, if we're just kicking field goals, it's going to keep us in games, but we have to convert at one point. And yes, you're right. We need to put fields in a better position to win. And those that commentary afterwards, you know, when I first heard it, when he was talking about the numbers don't necessarily mean much and all this stuff, it was more in frustration. He's still a young kid and he's, you know, now he's being, they had him right there on the spot. So I'm glad we waited and I'm just looking at it and I'm looking at the numbers. I kind of replayed some of the game because I recorded it and it's not all him, you know, and, and it's just got to, how, how are we going to continue to, help make the team successful, not just Justin Fields, but the team. And I'm just talking offense right now because I don't want to hop in the defense. But, you know, those were my thoughts. And we just got to – I guess we're just going to keep watching to see, you know, if any changes happen. Because right now these four games look pretty similar. I haven't seen anything really too different. And what I mean by that is – we have like four or five good plays from the passing game, and then that's about it. That's all we see. 
Yeah, I think when it comes to Fields' comments, that's uh, for me. It's it's it didn't really bother me as much because you got to kind of look at where he is in his development. This is a guy who was one of the top quarterbacks in the country when he was in high school, battling Trevor Lawrence for that you know QB one ranking out of high school, battling Trevor Lawrence for that QB ranking in college. You know he went transferred from Georgia to Ohio State. You know, he's winning Big Ten titles and playing in the playoffs there. Um, so he's always kind of been successful and always been the man and always been putting up big numbers. So for him to kind of get off to this start is probably a little frustrating for the guy. And he's probably in a situation where, you know, I almost take that as a positive. His comments is because he doesn't want to throw his guys under the bus, whether it's his receivers, his linemen or his coach, you know, saying that, hey, that's that's in your guys' eyes. We feel like, you know, they, they might – I feel like when teams aren't clicking or on the right path, they always feel like you're you're one play away. You're one play away from really breaking this open. And that's like a good mindset to have to, you know, try to keep that positivity. So that's something that I don't really get uh, too hung up on. But, um, yeah, I think there's – the main frustrating part for me is that even like in the preseason – now, granted, you're playing vanilla defenses – but they were finding ways to get guys open. You know, Cole Komet was a big factor in the preseason. You had crossing routes. You had, um, you know, rollouts. You had stuff that was working. And all of a sudden, like, you got nothing. That's the most frustrating part. So I think that's a combination of, you know, the coach probably not having the confidence and maybe it's the pass blocking to hold up long enough for Justin to make a decision. Maybe it's not, you know, Justin still isn't hundred percent comfortable to be able to make those rapid decisions and get the ball out of his hand um, type of thing, or there's not enough separation yeah. from, from the wide receivers. So I think it's, it's hard to pinpoint one thing, but I don't think that makes Justin uh, takes him out of the spotlight in terms of, receiving some of the criticism because I think he carries a big part of that as well. Yeah, he does. Absolutely. But at the same point in time, you know, I mean, he's early into his career and this is all about the development stage. Um, Jalen Hurts is a perfect example right now. And unfortunately for Mr. Justin Fields, part of his development is 10 minutes and 23 seconds left in the second quarter. He's already got six passes that have equaled out to two sacks and three knockdowns. So there's only one play out of those six passes where he actually got a chance to even get the ball off. And we don't even, I don't even know what one it was. I couldn't find it. Uh, But nonetheless, I doubt he was even able to probably get a a normal pass motion going. Um, You know, that's the kind of thing that'll really rattle a rookie or a second-year person, or a third-year person, or maybe even a fourth-year person. What ends up happening in those types of situations is when you can't pass the ball, when we look like we're miscombobulated, they're going to blitz. And what happens What happens is when you blitz is the next thing you know is your quarterback is looking at the blitz, not the receivers. So that's a huge problem, and I have a really good feeling that's exactly where Justin Fields is at at this point. Um, uh, New York really seemed to notice it. They started blitzing a lot. They went in there and they, they, they decided that they're going to find the weak spots. They started shooting it. And that's the next thing that happens is Justin Fields is looking for that, that blitzer. He's going to find it at the line of scrimmage, call it out. But the problem is, is he'll watch it instead of watching his receivers. And that's, I think a huge problem. Um, the run game. It, it got 149 yards. Unfortunately, he was a lot of it. But still. Yeah, some things that I kind of look at, because being like I always get like so caught up like in, in draft and mock drafts and things like that is is looking at how they attacked the draft. And, you know, we were really hoping it'd be an offseason where they kind of you know, use the draft to kind of build around him. And you see kind of some of those guys around where they drafted performing. I, I think for me going into the draft, the number one player that I wanted was George Pickens, wide receiver from Georgia. He's in Pittsburgh right now. He's been 
tore it up in the preseason and like miraculous catch after miraculous catch highlight real stuff. And he's starting to do it already in his young career. You know, a receiver like that, a receiver like he's always open. You can throw it wherever he's going to go up and get it. He's going to get the ball. He's like that guy who you could build around to be a true number one. You know, you could have gone him with your first pick instead of Gordon and still got Brisker there in the second round. You know, third round, they went with Valus. You know, if you're if you're taking that wide receiver earlier, you know, there was still Abraham Lucas, the offensive tackle from Seattle. All that guy's done is just pancake people left and right every game. And that guy's just a monster. And you look at, like, those what – you never really want to look at what-ifs, but I think this situation warrants it because everybody wanted them to find – you know, pieces to kind of help Justin Fields' development, and the pieces were there, and they didn't take advantage of them. Agreed. And you, you look at a right tackle like that, and you know, a number one wide receiver, and how much difference that could have made on this offense. And you know, you just wonder what if. And I think those are opportunities for Ryan Poles to kind of assess, like, you know, is 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 corner really that big of a deal? I mean, it, it is, and I think Kyler Gordon will be good eventually. But you know, what's more important for determining the future of your franchise? Because you don't want to go in a situation where, okay, this is Fields, you know, pseudo rookie season because you feel like Nagy broke him last year and really didn't know how to develop, and so this is kind of like his rookie season. Getz kind of alluded that to that last week with some of his comments. All right, so then what's going to happen next year? Next year he's not going to have a, a good year, or next year you're going to draft, you know, a receiver in the middle of rounds, to, or I mean a QB in the middle of rounds to compete with them, and then the year after that you're going to ditch them and kind of start this process all over again? Like, like you don't want to get in that process. You want to find out as early as you can if the guy's got it. You know what was funny to me? Uh, speaking of quarterbacks and what you got, when Daniel Jones went out and Tyrod Taylor came in and he he only had three passing attempts, but he did run a couple, three times, got about 30 yards, 10 yards per attempt. But I'm like, look at this guy coming in as a backup, making things happen. And then he runs and gets smashed. And that's what we don't want Justin Fields to do. So at one point when Tyrod Taylor first came in, I'm like, see, why can't Fields be like this? But then I see him get, knock the you know what out and then i'm like well that's oh. what we don't want that's what we don't <laughs> want to happen either so you i contradicted myself in that short what 10 you know five or six minutes that uh taylor was in so um you know the, it, it's hard right it's a hard situation to be in i just think as the bears organization trying to figure out you know what do they do with who they have at this moment the thing i really didn't like and I know we want to get the defense next uh, based off the time here, but the thing that was really frustrated as tough as this game was and missed opportunities was when there was about five or four minutes left and we decided to punt on fourth. What was it? Fourth and one, fourth and two. Yep. I was really hoping we just went for it at that moment in time. I think we really needed to, to push it and, and try for something considering we were over three in the red zone. And this was a game, you know, we really needed to win. Now, luckily, we did get the ball back, but look what ended up happening with short time. Anyways, that was something, again, I'm not a head coach, but I would have just said, I would have been okay with, Hey, just give it a shot at this moment in time. <laughs> That's just me. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think those, that's part of the growing pains of a, of a rookie head coach as, as well as, you know, he had that one gap at, halftime where he didn't use his timeouts and now this it's just you know i think those are going to be learning opportunities and you know it's an opportunity to show your offense like hey yeah we believe in you go out there go do this and you know that's where you find out kind of who your bell cows are on that offensive line and let them establish that and those are those those are those you know building and teaching moments where you can really bring some of those guys together and develop things off of that. So I think it's a missed opportunity, but, um, you know, hopefully it's something that, that they learn from as well. But, um, you know, you mentioned the defense. I think defense, it, a lot to be desired uh, there on that side. But one of the positives off of that, you know, to find a positive off of that is they still haven't allowed a second-half touchdown. 
So, you know, they can they can adjust and they can make adjustments there in the second half and kind of be one of those bend but don't breaks, but they, they bend a lot. They're they're really bending backwards. I when watching this I've been saying the defense has been pretty solid for the most part, kind of ripping the offense more to an extent, not ripping them, but giving more of the blame. And yesterday, I think the defense has just as much blame as the offense. There was, I mean, Daniel Jones shouldn't be running for two touchdowns. He also shouldn't be running for 60 yards, almost having more rushing yards, 68 yards more than Justin Fields had with like 57, I believe. That cannot happen. Now, we get it from the threat that Daniel Jones could throw up a bomb. He does have legs. People sometimes sleep on Daniel Jones, so he can run, and he's going to take advantage. And some of that is, though, the play calling, what we're trying to do on the Bears offensive end. So the, the Bears defense was kind of, is he throwing? Is he running now, right, especially after the first touchdown? So what do we do? And and Roquan Smith called it having your eyes, you know, being aware and not flinching at every little thing and 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 reading. So Roquan took, you know, good criticism, constructive criticism, and 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 took some of the heat and said, "Hey, this is what we need to do." And that's what I like about Roquan. Roquan, he's a great leader. He understands and he knows they need to get better in the certain areas, and he understands that this game is over. We can't go backwards. Yeah. So now we just need to look to the next game and move and that's what I really like about him and I hope we continue to keep him here because uh, that's a true locker room leader but the um, again Eddie Jackson with another another interception <laughs> gotta gotta love it gotta love it gotta he's love it he's a ball it. hawk he is a ball <laughs> hawk and, and it's good to see he's back in shape you know given what we've heard about him um, I mentioned it last week but you know this week it, it, the, the discipline that Roquan brings is something that I want the team to hopefully focus on, especially the rookies. Um, We want the best for them. Example, last week when there was that uh, fumble by Tyrod Taylor, if you watch back on that play, you're going to see Gordon standing there kind of, you know, uh, celebrating over the tackle, you know, over Tyrod. And meanwhile, the ball is live on the ground. And he's busy celebrating. So, and and Morrow is the one that's trying to jump back from inbounds to try to get that ball. So that's the discipline that I don't think Roquan would have. He wouldn't be out there cracking that guy, getting up celebrating. He'd be looking for that ball. And I think that that's what they need to pick up on that. Um, you know, and, and when it comes to first down, they kept getting burnt on first down with bootlegs. First down is a 50-50 play. It is either going to be a run or it is either going to be a pass. That's the way it goes in the NFL right now. So what do you do? You stay at home. You know your assignment and you watch for your keys. And none of that was happening. Um, second half, you started to see Brisker start to come around and, and, and hem that up. So it was really good to see that. But nonetheless, it was already the second half. Daniel Jones already had one, maybe two touchdowns. I don't remember when the second one came. But, you know, that kind of stuff is is very upsetting. Um, and, and again, and I've mentioned this before or, or, or throughout this week, you know, while we were, you know, or I, I'm sorry, following the game um, as we were discussing things. You know what? It's it's last year. It seemed as if there was kind of a almost better momentum, better setup. I mean, Justin Fields last four games, he ended up passing for 291. 79 yards, he got hurt, 224 and 285. Last game, he had 39 attempts. So he's been put in a situation to throw that ball. It's it's minute. But nonetheless, we are not putting him in a position to win. Um, you know, and these bare minimum pass plays and trying to force this one game at, when it's not working, is just not happening. They're stacking the box, and we need to start coming up with better stuff. And as I was watching San Francisco tonight and uh, and the Rams, Jimmy Garoppolo is in. It's, you know, the first time he's been playing in a while. And the fact he's even playing in San Francisco is kind of surprising. And 
he's letting the ball go within two to three seconds. I was counting it. And it's quick. You know, he likes his inside slants. He's an inside slant guy. But nonetheless, they found what pass play works for him. It gets the ball out of his hands. It takes away the pass rush of Aaron Donald. And it was being very successful. I haven't seen where they're at right now. And I hope that it was still working that way. But nonetheless, we're not trying that with Justin Fields. Justin Fields seems to be dropping back five, you know, five-step drops almost all the time. And I get it. He wants to air it out, but I would really like to see him start dropping back into three-step drops, letting the ball fly on a quick seven-yard route, you know, a button hook, a, a slant, an out and in, something. Um, but I'm, I'm just not seeing it. It's really disappointing. And Luke Getze being from the Aaron Rodgers area, you know, our era, you know, being from Aaron Rodgers, you know, pedigree. He, that's what Aaron Rodgers did was he got the ball out quicker than anybody and accurately. And he kept finding the right person. And yet we cannot put that in Justin. And I get it. You're not going to be able to do that. But when you have that line and that wide receiver, you know, lack of production, but um, that's just my takes on that. Yeah. And that's, that's the Shanahan style offense that, you know, McVay, LaFleur and, you know, gets here all a, a part of it's, you know, a, a quick pass. And that's exactly what you said. It's to minimize that pass rush and treat the short passing game like a running game. And that's kind of the design of it. And he does use a lot of slants, a lot of screens um, and just quick decisions. Yep. You know, and yeah. I think that's where Justin isn't. But, you know, while we were talking about the defense, to get back to that, with with Roquan and Eddie, it kind of like during that game, like Ballers. I started I started to think, like, are we going to be in a position where you're probably going to have to trade both of them because of how well they're playing and that their value probably won't be as high as it would be you know, at the trade deadline to where you can try to recoup some of those picks because there's a lot of holes on this team. There's a lot of holes on this team. And, you know, you only have so many draft picks. You're going to have $100 million, but, you know, there's no there's no wide receivers coming out unless you're going to trade for one, which means you're going to lose draft picks. You know, if, if, you can, if you can add some of those draft picks, it might allow you to use as a as that draft capital to pick up some of these offensive playmakers. Uh, but they're gonna need to find a way to, you know, add to this team to really, if they continue to go with Justin, build around them because there's there's a lot of holes. That defensive line like has we need to have a like a check in on like Robert Quinn. You know, what yeah. where where's he at? Because yeah. I would have expected that would have been a game that he just feasted on and, and wreaking havoc. You know, Al Kadeen Muhammad, he's been solid. I think that's the way he was in Indy too. You know, he wasn't anything spectacular, but he's a guy that played the run well and would get sacks occasionally. Um, you know, but you you want them to to do better and you want them to you know let Travis Gibson and. Dominique Robertson, you know, pin their ears back and, and really attack. And, you know, Justin Jones had a solid game, but I, I think as a whole, that unit still needs a lot of help. I think Moreau, a middle linebacker, is solid, but I don't think he's a long-term piece either. He's only signed to a one-year deal. Mm-hmm. Um, cornerback, we talked about the depth that's needed there. Offensive line, you need to add there. Wide receivers, you got to add there. Tight ends, it doesn't look like, you know, Komet's being utilized the way he could be, and maybe they don't believe in him as much as they showed early on. So, you know, that might be another, like, you're, like, find me a position where they feel set. And I think, like, the only one I can think of is safety with Brisker and Jackson. But if you trade Jackson, then that becomes an opportunity as well. But they do have the kid from... uh from Cal, the rookie, um, blanking on his name right now, but um, you know that's that's the only thing I can I can think of, and there might be a necessity to you know trade Roquan or Eddie at the Ooh. trade deadline, you know, so that way you can actually try to build because looking at this, 
like you see why some people pick them to win three or four games. And I think this was like the most eye opening, you know, set of that. But it just makes you realize there's a lot of holes and it's not going to be a one year thing. You know, next year will be the year to build off of with, I would probably say 2024 is being the year that you want to compete for a division and playoffs. The, sure thing. I don't think we get rid of Roquan. He's, he's still young. He's a locker room leader on that defense. Uh, as much as we, cause we don't even know what's going on with the offense, let alone, we don't know what, timetable Justin Fields has either my thought of it is you got if you look throughout the NFL the last what three years how many veteran quarterbacks are sorry wide receivers are going to teams and making them playoff contenders I honestly think that regardless of what he's doing now if we would have now we would have had to pay him which fine but if we had a we still had Allen Robinson here with Mooney and St. Brown, it, the offense would have moved a little bit better. If you ask me, because you need a veteran receiver. It doesn't have to be a necessarily true number yeah. one, but you need someone in like the two slot because then Mooney can get free because who are they guarding? Mooney the most of the time. St. Brown to an extent, but who else is out there making moves? Who's taking off? Nobody. Even on a slant route. Everyone knows it's going to Mooney or it's going to go to Komet. That's it. If they are throwing, they're not really questioning anyone else being used. If you can get a veteran receiver who knows how to get out, get open, or set up the other guy, then we can make that happen. I, I Roquan Smith is too valuable. Now, if he was Khalil Mack's age a couple years ago, I wanted him gone after the first couple of years saying he's still worth a lot of money here. Let's get rid of him. But every, you know, everyone would say, oh, just let him go. And he's too much of a beast. And then look what happened towards the tail end of that. But Roquan still, he's the, he's, he's the glue here. He's the Brian Erlacher here to an extent. And I want to continue to see him grow and hit with him and Eddie Jackson there. I mean, keep that defense because we need them. But yeah, I, we just need to pick up some veteran receiver who's, made noise here and there. Maybe he's still not, maybe he's not necessarily in the top 10, but maybe he's in, you know, 15, 16, whatever. That's going to be good enough to help fields and say, Hey, let me give you some advice here. Cause who's really giving it to him from a wide receiver range. There is no real true veterans on here. Yeah. Helping, helping him out. Nope. Well, saying, Hey, Hey, you throw it up. I got it, Justin. Right. I got it. I got you. You just throw it up and I'll take care of it. And, and that's, that's why – I'm sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No, that, that's all I got. <laughs> no, I was saying, well, that's why I'm saying they're going to end up needing that draft capital to do so. Because if you're looking at the top free agents for next year, Nelson Aguilar, Sterling Shepard, DJ Chark, Marvin Jones, Byron Pringle, Alan Lazard, Juju, um, uh, Jamison Crowder, Sammy – like there's nobody that's going to be a free no. agent. You're going to have to go get somebody like the Eagles gave up to get A.J. Brown. And that guy's just been a beast for them so far. You know, Allen Robinson, Allen Robinson playing on the opposite side of the best receiver in the world right now. You figured he'd have some open looks. He's got 88 yards, seven, re <laughs> seven receptions. So, yeah, Allen Robinson would fit right in on this offense <laughs> right now. And, and, you know, maybe they saw – Maybe they saw Allen Robinson for what he was. Maybe he was on the decline, but um, you know it's, it's, that that's that's like one of the most surprising things. I heard that on I'm not sure if it was ESPN or or the Score this week. Uh, they were talking about Allen Robinson, and I was just like, wow, I did not know that's what his numbers were. But yeah, he's not get, getting any looks over there either. But yeah, I think you need to find that receiver, and I think. It can be done. It can be done in the draft. It's probably the best route to go, so you don't have to pay. You know, pay for them because right now receivers are getting you know over twenty mil a year. Um, you know, maybe that's the twenty mil you can earmark and keep Roquan, and then use that other money or those draft capital to you know take a top notch offensive tackle in the first round, and then 
you know, a receiver in the second round, you know, find ways to, to make things happen. Or, you know, maybe you can find some of these other pieces in free agency. I'd have to look at, you know, the other, the other uh, positions, but, you know, wide receiver is one that are either going to have to take a big swing on and and make a big trade, or they're going to hope one lands to them uh, there in the draft. (laughs) Which, yeah, it's going to well, be a difficult one, and, and and I'll tell you right now, um, it, it, we need to build a foundation. We don't have an identity, so and I, I think the best way you go about building a foundation is, first and foremost, in my opinion, you do not let go of a future Hall of Famer as they enter their prime. That is just the general rule. I don't care what decade it is. I don't care what era it is. You don't let go of future Hall of Famers. Roquan Smith, in my opinion, is a future Hall of Famer. He has started out on pace of that. So you don't trade him. He is the center piece. Then you're lucky enough. Eddie Jackson has now come back. So although we already are paying him, to pay him more or to continue to pay him would not be a horrible thing. Now you've established your foundation on defense. Of course, that's not what we want. We want offense, but nonetheless, it's the Bears. So you got your defensive core. Um, you establish an identity. You're a defensive team, and there's that. So the next thing you know is when you go after free agents, they will be more inclined to look at the Bears because they understand what's going on over there. First of all, they know who's over there. We've kept players in pieces and things like that. If you start letting go of Roquan, start letting go of Eddie Jackson, the next thing you know is a free agent might be like, yeah, okay, well, sure, sure, Chicago Bears. Who's over there? And that's, I don't think, a question we want them asking. We want them to be like, yeah, you know what? I like what Eddie Jackson and Roquan have done in that group, and I want to go over there and be a part of that. That's the que- that's the response I want from a free agent we're going to be shopping. Um, and then that's just my opinion. And, and then you grow from there. And right now you have two what could be all pros, um, top notch in the in the defense. So focus on the offense. Let's get two of those on the offensive side. Maybe even one, just one. I would pray for one. And if we get one, next thing you know, we could really start generating some numbers. We could start doing different things. And I think that's where we need to be. Yeah, I'm not looking. I started just looking at some of the free agents. I think there's going to be opportunities on the offensive line next offseason. So if they, you know, want to dedicate their resources there and use the draft for playmakers, I'd be good with that. I think one player to kind of keep an eye on because he was mentioned as a trade bait, you know, in the preseason is Isaiah Wynn, the tackle for uh, New England. I don't know if he's starting now, but he was a starter last year. And this year, like they're trying to get rid of him. And, you know, he's still only like 25 years old. I believe is in the fifth year of his rookie deal, so he's you know going to be a free agent at the end of the year. But you know something like that, you know, a guy that the good shot to take a shot on and see what he can do, or the guy you picked up, Alex Leatherwood, can he can he possibly do any worse than Larry Borum right now in protecting Justin Fields? Because Larry Borum just ain't it. You know he looked nope. solid last year, but I feel like he's definitely taken uh, a regression. But yep. you know I think those are those are going to be things that. Um, you know, polls will definitely look for is those little playmakers. And I think the one thing about the NFL is every year it happens, a team goes from worst to first, you know, worst team in division to winning the division next year. And, you know, if you do choose to, to build around defense, we talked about San Francisco tonight. That's kind of the way they were built. They were built around their defense. And that offense is that Mike Shanahan way. We're going to run the ball, limit our mistakes, and, you know, be opportunistic uh, on defense. And that defense is – that defense can make plays. They, they got – the thing is with them is their defensive line is just sick. Everybody on their defensive line can just attack the quarterback. And, you know, when we played – when we played San Francisco, a guy stuck out. And I just saw him had a return for a touchdown right now. Is that Hufanga guy at safety. That dude's a beast. 
that and that dude just housed one just about like five minutes ago. But you know, that's that's something you can do. Build build around the defense if that's where your your stars are and and you know, find ways to, you know, I think a good general manager will find ways to build that team within that cap. But you know, you're gonna be one year deeper and if you do develop Justin Fields and he is the guy, then in about two years you're gonna have to pay him. And, you know, he's not going to be on that rookie deal. He's going to be commanding a $30, $40 million deal annually. So, um, you know, you got to think about the long term and how you uh, sign some of those contracts as well. But seeing that those offensive line free agents, Orlando Brown Jr., left tackle from the from the uh, uh, Chiefs, Jack Conklin, right tackle for Cleveland, that dude's uh, pretty damn good. Right tackle George Fant from the Jets. Uh, Mike McGlinchey, right tackle for the Niners. Andre Dillard, left tackle for Philly. He's kind of the backup now, but he's been he's been a guy that's been the trade rumors the last couple of years, and and a guy that might be worth taking a shot on, you know, for you know five seven million around that range. So I think there's, there'll be opportunities there, but um, I think that's definitely something just to keep an eye on, just because you don't know how Poles operates yet. You know, he got rid of Mac. You know, one of the first things he did. So. You know, is that going to be something where he's going to be trying to get rid of another veteran to open up even more money? So that way he has more money to spend in the offseason and really finish constructing the team in his vision. I really hope not. Uh, And I would just say that because of the very fact that I don't think he's had a lot of success right now um, with his first approach. And of of course, it's the first approach. You know, you want to give the man a full opportunity, good three years, uh, you know, chance. Um, But early out the gate, um, uh, other than Brisker, I'm not too sure of exactly what draft pick he has that has been other, you know, very successful. Uh, Braxton Jones, you could probably put up there, but Braxton Jones has had his ups and his downs. Um, he is also the starting left tackle of a team that has allowed the most pressures in the NFL, and he is also, um, you know, responsible for a lot of that. So. <laughs> Trenton Gill, the punter, he's been a solid pick. I'm sorry? said Trenton Gill, the punter, he's been a solid pick. He has been a solid pick. You know what? Thank you, John. There we go. <laughs> you, you don't want to be really hanging your hat on. Uh, you know what? Yes. I apologize to that young man. My apologies, young <laughs> sir. No, but you know, one, one more thing, and I, I shared it earlier on the Facebook page, uh, Chicago Skybox Sports on Facebook, was uh, – Dan Bernstein on Bernstein and Holmes on the score today was, was mentioning that, you know, out of 49 pressures, he's only got five completions. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of room for opportunity. And we say it every week in terms of how they're going to scheme to, to try to build some of this uh, rhythm to get something going. And I think, I think it's time to just let them rip it. Just let him rip it and do it his way and see if that feels comfortable. Agreed. Agreed. Let him go ahead. You know what? Let's line up in some shotgun. Let's let, – we don't have to do max protection, protection every time. Line up five wide. Go out there. I mean, that was more, it's more college style. It's what he did. Let's try it out. I would even mix in – like they did in New Orleans with Trevor Simeon and just give him a couple plays here and there just to run him in and out. I would try something small like that just to get something, get something running. Yeah. It may come to a point where we may want to consider putting in Simeon just for the simple fact of letting Justin know, don't worry, your job isn't at risk. We want you to sit back and watch a little bit. Um, take in some things and, and you don't have to be out on the field to learn certain things. And I think that might be helpful. I hope at least, um, cause we got to do something. Yeah. I think when things aren't going right, then you, there's not too many bad ideas in terms of, you know, trying to make things happen and trying to catch a spark. So I, at, when your back's against the wall like that, that's when you got to be creative and find alternatives. And, you know, whatever that may be, I think the main thing is you don't 
want to kind of you don't want to break them you know you you want to and i think you know one good thing i think it was in the texans game where you saw getsy come up to him after after a bad series like hey you no, you got this this is still you this is still you know so he's getting that positive reinforcement on the sidelines and and that's good and i think you know like i said about getsy's comments last week is it, it seems like they're treating this as his rookie year and they're trying to kind of you know, lay the foundation and build up from that. So it's going to be a couple more games like this. Um, and we'll kind of just see how it goes. Try not to get too high and try not to get uh, too low. I think there's going to be some games that are ugly. There's going to be some games where they steal one like they did against the Niners. You know, Niners are rolling on last year's Super Bowl champions right now, 24-9 right now. But you know, they got handled by the Bears. So it's it's the NFL. Any given Sunday, uh, anything can happen. But we'll head Absolutely. out to Minnesota next uh, Sunday, which late in, in this, you know, midweek podcast, I also want to talk about um, their stadium. Because when the Bears were talking about their new stadium, they mentioned the Viking stadium a lot. And the reasons for it was that the way that it allows natural light in and kind of still has that outdoor feel while being an indoor stadium, kind of like them and Indianapolis, where they have those big windows that kind of let that light in. So I want to talk a lot about a little bit about that because we haven't really talked about the stadium um, and kind of how that's working. But I I think it'll be a good opportunity to get that covered as well. But yeah, we'll we'll reconvene in the middle of the week and talk some Bears and, and Vikings as we preview their game uh, next Sunday at noon in Minnesota. Uh, any final thoughts from you guys? Uh, Greg, go right ahead, man. It's going to – it could be real ugly just looking at it. I mean, the most we given up aside from the Packers was 20 points. And the defense held to what they could. We saw what happened against the Packers. And the Vikings, as we saw, have been scoring, you know, um, pretty high, 28, 28, 24, possibly more. And they have a lot of weapons. And this is going to be another true test. This is why that Giants game that we just had, was so crucial to get the start off three and one versus two and two, <laughs> but it's we're we're on the learning curve, right? We're still in the early s- stages and this is just something we're going to have to continue to learn from. I think that this is the season where it's going to have some ups, but probably have some more downs, but as a rookie coach, as Fields is getting used to the new people in charge and what he's being able to do, uh, time will tell. So I'm hoping for the best here, but I have a feeling I'm going to be throwing the remote a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, our, our run defense is obviously one of our biggest weaknesses. And, you know, we just got done with Saquon Barkley, who we had a hard time with, and now we get to go in with Delvin Cook. Um, So it isn't going to get any easier. Um, Justin Jefferson is a very hard person to cover. Uh, We really need Jalen Johnson back for this one. Um, You know, this is where we really need him to get back from hopefully whatever he's got going on. I can't recall, but um, we need to get the, we need to find a way to stop the run and make this more one dimensional, make it more. So that way we can, can, you know, focus on, other defensive schemes that might be successful other than being reactive to what they're doing, which is what we found ourselves doing a lot. So um, I think that other than that on offense wise, um, I'm hoping to see Velas Jones line up as a wide receiver. I mean, this is a third round pick at wide receiver. However, it seems as if we almost intentionally got him to be a kick return. Um, Now I know he's been faced with some injuries and stuff like that, but, Okay, it's now week five. So um, I'm hoping by week five you're in there, you're running routes. Because if you're not in there running routes, 
I'm sorry, you're not adding to this team and you're just adding to Justin Fields. Or, I mean, I'm sorry, um, not Justin Fields. Um, Ryan Poles is, um, you know, on success with the draft. So I, I hope his draft picks start turning it around here. Um, Justin Brisker has been doing fine. Just want him to keep that up. And uh, I think that we got a chance. If we can go in there and surprise them, that's a big win, and we can build off that. Um, I I hope. don't think I don't think we have a chance. I think, like like Greg said, I like your positivity. But, yeah, uh, I try. What can I say? You know, and I, well, I went into that saying I'm just gonna be full of it, but I'm gonna hope for the best. I think I think Justin Jefferson is gonna have he's he's gonna be put in some situations where he can take advantage of the cornerbacks not named Jalen Johnson. So I think they're going to put him in position to really expose the rookie uh, as well as Vildor. Um, you know, he's going to have those opportunities. I think it's not just Dalvin Cook. Alexander Pray Madison, for Vildor. Yeah. Alexander Madison's a, a, a beast as well. That guy runs just like Cook. Those guys run 100 miles an hour right off the bat. And use their head as a freaking battering ram. Those guys are both tough as nails to take down, and it will really is going to be a challenge uh, for that defense um, to try to, you know, stop the run again. Uh, Great for Vildor. You know what? He's <laughs> he's fared better than we thought he would this year. So, I'll, you know, I'll give him a little credit, but uh, Justin Jefferson is <laughs> the best receiver in the league. And I, I think, you know, he's, he's made uh, – He's made other teams look silly. It's just what he does. And I, I don't think the Bears will be any different. You know, I, I think given the Bears situation, they're not going to line him up against Jalen a lot if, if they don't have to, which they don't. So they'll, they'll put him in the slot. They'll put him on the opposite <laughs> side. And he'll he'll get his buck 50 receiving. And Pretty much. Probably two touchdowns. And that's why we got to make it one-dimensional. Yeah. Shut down the run. Put the ball in just the passing, and I hate to do that because the passing game can really burn you nowadays. But nonetheless, you got to find a way to shut it down. And uh, hey, you know what? I yeah. mean, that's your best bet. I think you got to find ways to get the Kirk Cousins. Hopefully, uh, cause a couple turnovers. And in maybe the same point, it gets in his gets in his head, and you have some opportunities there. But um, you know, to to win against the Vikings this week, I think would need you know. A, a, a great effort in all three phases. Uh, I don't think it's going to be, you know, one of those games where one phase can carry the rest of the team uh, to beat the Vikings this week. I think all three phases would have to be, you know, playing at a pretty high level in, in order to get it done. And you never know. It could happen. Uh, do I feel like it will? No, I think, <laughs> I think, I think this one uh, will will be over. They may not. They may still hold their uh, no touchdowns in the second half, but we may be down like thirty-five to three at that point. Too, so. <laughs> we'll, we'll it's still a heck of a stat. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, going to wrap things up here for Chino and Greg. I'm Johnny Yu. Uh, we'll be dropping another podcast for you later on this week as we do a little bit more in depth here on the Vikings versus the Bears. Thank you for tuning in to the Bear Raid podcast. Absolutely. Bear down, everybody. Bear See down. you guys soon.